from the Kramer Basketball Headquarters in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. You are listening to the Coach's Edge Podcast, powered by Coach. Here is your host, Steve Kramer. I'd like to welcome to the Coach's Edge podcast, Eric Fletcher, Bowling Green, Ohio, as we're talking some youth basketball in this episode today, and we'll dig into what our youth basketball leagues looked like. He's in Bowling Green, Northwest Ohio, um, down in Myrtle Beach uh, area as well. I'm just looking forward to ping-ponging some ideas uh, back and forth with you, Eric, as I like to give our listeners a little update on how our youth basketball league went each season, but it's going to be even better because we have two people doing that in our episode uh, today, being yourself. So uh, first and foremost, thanks for being on. And why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners? All right. Thanks for having me, Steve. Um, I'm Eric Fletcher. I'm the sports specialist for Bowling Green Parks and Rec here in Bowling Green, Ohio. I'm going on year 15 here with the Parks and Rec Department. And um, we have youth basketball leagues that take place. We do two separate leagues that start. Um, one starts in October and then the other one starts after the holidays in January. Um, so we've been doing the 3v3 uh, youth basketball league method since about 2015 now. Uh, I kind of went back through my notes to see the, the when we started doing that. And it was 2015. Um, we run leagues for as young as kindergarten, and we go all the way up to fifth and sixth grade levels. Um, our kindergarten through fourth grade, we do the 3v3 method, and then we start the full court five on five with the fifth and sixth grade uh, age group. So we uh, divide them up. We usually do co-ed leagues for the younger ages, and then when we get older, we split them up into boys and girls divisions just to get them ready for um, the middle school sports and get them ready for, you know, playing with some of their fellow teammates as they get older. So, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. How, how many sessions do you have as far as uh, how often the kids are in the gym for yeah. these mini seasons that you have? Yeah. So we've, we've kind of gone back and forth with that a little bit. Uh, more recently, we've uh, had them meet once a week. Um, our kindergarten group meets for about 45 minutes um first and second grade we meet for an hour a week and then when we get into third and fourth fifth and sixth grade we have an hour practice and then they do games on saturdays for an hour block so gotcha nice uh and how many i don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves but what is the what's the game component look like is it uh you know what, what are some of the things that you do as far as is it are you playing halves quarters you know things of that nature yeah, so I like to describe them to the kids and to the parents as like mini games that we do. Mm-hmm. So when we do our kindergarten and uh, through the fourth grade, the 3v3, we'll play those half court 3v3 games and we run them around like six minutes um, and do mini games. So we just try to fill up that time. We'll run um, usually with our like third and fourth grade we'll let the teams uh, play a couple teams. So they're not just playing one team for a full hour. Um, So we'll play like maybe three mini games versus one team and then three versus another. Um, And they can mix and match their lineups based on their roster sizes. You know, some of the teams have as many as um, eight to 10 players. And then some divisions we have five or six players on a team. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like that. I love the mini games we did. That was one thing we changed with our, 
league this year was the kids would come in and they'd play two mini games instead of one regular right. game. Right. And I think our kids liked it a lot. Uh, we switched up the teams for the second game. Um, so more kids got the chance to win more kids got the chance to lose, right. Instead of just having that dominant team and they, they win, you know, every week. And, um, we, we changed the teams every week. They'd have it. They'd have a new team. Um, so it it wasn't like there was one coach with the same group of players. Um, we changed the teams every week, had them coached by some different people each week. And, um, you know, for the most part, we were all, you know, on the same page, didn't have any issues with parents. They were, they were for it. So that was pretty cool too, but let's get back to the three on three. Um, you know, 2015, I was shoot eight years ago. Now, what made you decide to get into three on three and, you know, what are some of the benefits that you've noticed? Yeah. So, um, we had run our youth leagues as like a five on five full court for a while. When I started here, it was kind of like a league that I inherited once I come in, you know, it was a league that was already established. Um, but then as time had gone on, you know, we had a lot of, you know, just a lot of complaints, just a lot of arguing with officials and it come down to like, you know, what are we doing here with first grade, second grade basketball? Why is there so much frustration and anger? And it seemed like we're always, you know, getting on officials and just, and I was like, I just feel like the the method needed to change a little bit. Um, some of our format with um, our, our leagues are volunteer coach based. So we have volunteer coaches, we have staff help at practices as well. But back at that time, we had a lot of volunteer coaches coming in. So some teams would have a coach that was really invested and really involved and had great basketball knowledge. Um, so they would they would do really well. And then we'd have some people that it might have been their first time coaching. Um, they had limited or no experience with basketball. They just wanted to help their kids team. And so they were a little bit left in the dark with how to, you know, maybe present a practice or, or run things. And then you're trying to translate a full court game with kids. I just felt like there was a lot of wasted time. Um, I felt like there were some uh, just rule changes and things that we were always trying to like fix with it. And um, it was just hard to, to present like a full court game that you would see at like a high school level or an adult level, try to translate that for kids. I mean, they, kids, function differently you know their their bodies are a little different they're still growing into their bodies trying to figure out their coordination um and the game moved a little bit slower there was a lot of time chasing down a, a ball that got dribbled off a foot and you know you're there's just a lot of different things that we wanted to change so I was actually talking to one of my co-workers at the time and he said well what about three on three and I said you know I had been thinking about that um and so we had kind of done some research um there's a, a guy that we had had as a guest speaker come in. Um, you were, I think you were there. We had Bob Bigelow had come in, uh, former basketball player in the NBA. He was really a big um, proponent of the 3v3. And so I just did a bunch of research. I started looking into um, different communities and different programs that ran like 3v3 tournaments, um, 3v3 leagues. And some of them might have offered like a 5v5, but you know, I was trying to see how the rules were laid out for that and trying to see what the benefits were. And, you know, the game, there's so much with basketball right now that's just everything's just so offensive minded. You know, everyone's trying to find the next, you know, edge to the game of of like how can we develop as an offensive player? 
Um, it's more exciting. Kids want to shoot baskets. Um, so we decided to do the three V three half court because they were getting more touches on the ball. There were more baskets being made. Confidence was going up with kids. They weren't getting as frustrated if they weren't getting the ball. Um, you know, with the five V five, we saw a lot of times where if you were the tall kid, you got placed down at the block and that's where you were supposed to be. Now we're, um, using all the players and trying to develop all of their skills, not just as a post player, getting them to handle the ball a little bit better, um, work on shooting inside and outside range. So we just saw a lot more benefits to it. Um, there were definitely some growing pains and adjustments that had to be made when we uh, went through it, trying to convince some volunteer coaches that were maybe a little more set in their ways. We we're trying to, you know, convince them like, Hey, this is, this is something we're going to stick to. And I really believe in the system and I think it's going to work. And, you know, over time we had to make some adjustments, but it, it seemed to work out fine. And now, you know, kids have a blast. Like before the pandemic, I mean, our league skyrocketed in numbers, kids were signing up left and right. And we had numbers that, that were growing and, it was a good problem to have trying to figure out how to schedule basketball in our facility when we have, you know, pass holders that want to use it and, and we have other programs and things going on. And um, post pandemic, you know, we're, our numbers are climbing back, you know, it's a little bit more, um, we're a little more aware of like how we're um, packing our teams. We don't want, you know, too many kids on one team and then they don't get as much playing time. We're kind of made them, just in that right, like I said, like six to eight kids on a team, they get more playing time that way. And they get, like I said, they get more touches on the ball, the, you know, get more opportunities to shoot the ball and score, which is what they want to do. So um, it's, it's worked out really well. I really enjoy it. It's always yeah. a challenge every day. I mean, there's um, different weeks, you know, different vibes of kids through their school week, if they had different things, you know, on their mind or, you know, but, you know, each week we try to adjust the game plans to fit um, and help them out and help them benefit and get better. Yeah, from a number standpoint, you got two games going on on the same yeah. court instead of one game. Yep. So, I mean, you got 12 kids playing instead of 10 if it was a yep. five on five full court game. Yep. So and the skill development aspect that you alluded to with players not being pigeonholed to a certain spot because they're taller or because they're smaller or whatever mm -hmm. players are getting the opportunity to work on all of their skills because of the space and because of the requirements of, Hey, there's myself and only two other people on my team out here. So I have yeah. more responsibilities, right. than kind of getting lost in the shuffle of a five on five game at a youth level. I, right. So we, we ran our league and one of the players that I uh, work with and his dad helps me out and his dad is also the youth basketball coach for the, the city league and they play a full court league. Yeah. Here. And uh, so I, I wanted to support him and his dad who helps me out. And so I went and watched one of the games and I mean, they're playing on basically a, it's not even like you guys have a nice shorter distance. If you go full court, yeah. they're playing on like a regulation high school size court. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, this entire game that I just watched was just changing sides. Just yeah. running up and down, changing sides. Very little basketball was actually yeah. played. A lot of time was spent running from one end to the other. And yeah. it was five on five. So a lot of those kids rarely touch the ball. Mm -hmm. And so it was just, they run down, they stand on one end. They run down the other way, they stand on the other end. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like I just, I just, it made me feel better about our league being three on three because I think of how many more opportunities the kids are having to play basketball right. in an even much shorter uh, time window, which is mm -hmm. tremendous as well. Mm -hmm. What are some of the 
what are some of the things that you've noticed as far as the direction? I know we had the COVID hit, right? And I, I think yeah. for a, a lot of people like that just didn't pull maybe the same numbers as before because people mm-hmm. figured out maybe I'm just going to do some other things instead of, you know, sports yeah. in general. Yeah. Um, so outside of that, what are some of the other things that you've had to work with parents on, work with coaches on to get them to buy in and say, Hey, three on three is something that's better for our overall development at a young age. Yeah. I think, I think since then, I mean, I feel like our leagues were really taken off before then. And we did retain a lot on our end. We retained a lot of like the same families. Um, Once we opened back up and, and got things going again, we tried to offer like skill training and things like that during the pandemic. But then when we got back into things and, and started the leagues back up, I think we kind of picked up where we left off. Um, but we, we noticed um, on my end, I noticed a lot more and it could have been from pandemic and it could have just been kids were developing different skills. And like you said, they were maybe shifting their focus to one sport versus another. Um we did, I did notice a lot more of like travel teams being developed. Um, parents were starting to like maybe take a handful of kids and start travel groups. Um, so I noticed that a little bit. Uh, but with the 3v3 leagues, I, I felt like, you know, our adjustments that we had to make were, were very um, small in, in terms of like what we had to do in terms of uh, rule changing. Um, we were starting to like focus a little bit more, I guess, with um, motor skill stuff, I guess, mm, I like they were, you know, during the, during the break, if they weren't as active, that was maybe one of the challenges that I noticed when we come back, um, you know, some kids, it was just, it was interesting to see, I guess, observe, like you're trying to tell kids, Hey, I need you to skip down to half court and back. And some kids are still learning how to skip. And it's just, mm. I don't know, it's just like interesting to see some of the motor skill type changes that were taking place. Um, and then of course the social interaction was probably the other challenge, you know, we had coming back from the leagues, you know, we have volunteers and and just people in general, some families felt a little more safe. Um, if they were wearing masks, you know, the whole mask battle, whether or not you wanted to do that. Um, and it was just more like trying to figure out how to engage with kids again, I guess, Mm -hmm. from the social perspective. Um, and that's one thing I've been trying to work on more is just trying to get more, um, social interaction with the kids, try to get back to the whole team building concepts. Like, Hey, we're working together as a team now. Um, try to learn a little bit more about their teammates. We have kids coming in from different school districts um, that are playing together. Some of them are in the same class, but maybe some are from a different school. So just trying to find like common interests and, and, and just feel more like a team, I guess mm-hmm. would be one of the things we wanted to get back into doing. You brought us some really good points and, you know, I find myself forgetting that you know, for these young kids, especially depending on the state you're in and some of the regulations, what you can do, can't do, uh, mm-hmm. families, personal beliefs and, and, and philosophies. Some of those kids were out for a year and a half, some maybe more yeah. as far as really being in an environment to build their communication, build their coordination Right. Be, uh, work on, um, doing things physically like running, uh, jumping, doing all the, these things with a hand eye, obviously with, with a ton of dribbling, shooting, passing. And I think we free, it's just a really good point because we're, regardless of what age level you're working with, a lot of these kids almost missed a year. You know, my, my dad coaches, 
my dad's been coaching junior high basketball for like 15, 20 years. Now he's, he's coaching again at the varsity level. Um, but he's like, you know, we had two seasons where kids didn't play at their school junior high basketball. Right. So they went from sixth grade. Okay. Now some of them went from sixth grade all the way to freshmen and they didn't have a team yeah. because there was no, you know, official basketball at school. Like right. you know, we, we forget that, you know, they've kind of lost some of that and we got to try to build that. Yeah. Build that back up yeah. with three on three. There's obviously some different rules that you have in place compared to playing five on five. Mm-hmm. What were some of the rules that you tried to emphasize and uh, abide by regarding three on three? Cause there's different variations that everybody runs, right? Yeah. I, I run probably a really unique set of three on three that I've, we've chatted about a little bit before as well. Yeah. Um, I think I try to, I try to find ways to help, um, you know, with, with high school coaches, um, you know, I, I know they, don't want to see like zone defenses at younger ages. You know, everyone has their own preference, but that's kind of always, that's how I've been too. It's like, I, I want to see like man-to-man defense concepts. Um, Obviously with three on three, I mean, you, you could probably figure out some kind of like a zone, I guess with a three on three, but you know, they're, they're a little more engaged. It's going to be a quicker game. So you're going to really have to learn how to defend and stay on kids um, denying passes and stuff like that. So, you know, we tried to stick to, um, I guess with the rules, I wanted to try to kind of merge some things with it so it can translate when they do get older and play on five on five. So like, you know, how to defend like pick and roll, um, how to how to switch your guy and, and communicate. Um, so those were some things that we want to make sure we still did, like allow them to play man to man, but you don't just have to guard the same person. You can switch um, and, you know, you can do like a help and recover type concept if you had to. Um, obviously the first and second grade, you know, it was more real basic. Like, Hey, if, if someone sets a screen, you can switch your guy. Um, we didn't get real in depth with that, but like, there are some rules like that, that I wanted to implement. Um, stealing off the dribble is always one that's like real touchy, uh, with the younger ages. I don't let them steal the dribble because again, with the three on three, I want them to be confident with some of their dribbling, like try to explore with the ball a little bit more is how I, how I say it. So mm-hmm. like, you know, they're working on trying to switch to their left hand or crossover. And then if someone to get real fancy, you know, they try to cross through their legs. So, I mean, these are, this is at the younger, you know, first mm-hmm. and grade level and yeah. stuff. So um, yeah, we try to do that. Um, the, the so first, thing. I don't mean to cut you off. So first sure. and second grade, you didn't allow them to steal the ball third and fourth grade. Right. They could, is that where um, you broke we it? Actually uh-huh. third and fourth grade, we still kept that rule in place. Okay. And that's the one where I'm always on the fence every year. I kind of mm-hmm. look and see where the skill levels are. And every year I'm like, well, we'll see. Maybe I'll like, let it, let it go for a few weeks. And then like towards the end, maybe we'll start to implement where they can steal the dribble. If we have time oh, to like, kind of show them how to steal the dribble, I guess. I have such um, a hard time with that one too. I have yeah. a really hard time with that one too, because it's so much about skill more than age. So if yeah. I just say, Hey, these grades can't do it. Well, some kids are, yeah. you know, real players. And then some kids are afraid to even dribble the ball because yeah. their skills are so limited. They yep. know they're going to get it stolen from. And so I'm like, well, how are they going to become a better ball handler? Because yeah. they know if they dribble it, some kids are just going to take it from them every time. So it's yeah. just, yeah, I go back and forth. We, we allowed kids to steal in our league. Um, but I, I, I'm yeah. torn. Like, you yeah. know, there I almost want to be like, hey, the one really good kid, like, dude, 
you can't steal the ball from anybody today. Like just, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah, that's that's the biggest challenge with that rule for me is that we'll have some kids that maybe play on a it's travel tough. team and they want to just keep playing more basketball. So then they jump in yeah. our league, too. And that's the thing. It's like you kind of cringe when you see a really skilled player and you know that they could they can probably steal the ball pretty cleanly. Mm-hmm. Then they just kind of <laughs> just stand there and it's like, yeah, you don't oh, want to hold them back either. Do you want to right? coach them? How do you want to teach them to do that? But you know, occasionally we'll have a couple fourth grade kids. If they are skilled enough, we'll let them play with fifth and sixth grade. Um, if we feel confident with their, you know, maybe their size and skill level that they can they can hang with fifth and sixth graders because that's the age group we do allow a steal off the dribble. Um, and and if not, you know, if we have like those third and fourth graders and we allowed that rule in place, it could turn really ugly really fast if we mm-hmm. allowed everyone to steal the dribble. So we always let them try to steal the pass, get in passing lanes. We let them block shots. We try to make it feel, you know, as close as to like the defensive rules, as close as um, mm-hmm. the reality as they can, you know, to, to doing some of those things. So, uh, but yeah, that one's, that one's probably the trickiest rule that I, every year I always, yeah. like, oh, I'm going to see what the skill level's like and go from there. Um, but I yeah. usually just end up keeping it the same. Mm-hmm. They get one practice a week. I mean, we can't, we can't, you know, if maybe we had a couple practices a week, then maybe we could look into something like that. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's tough. Yeah. You don't want to hold those kids back. Right. That are ready for that type of level. Right. Um, but you also want to give everybody the opportunity to develop their skills. And yeah, some of that would mean that they get the chance to dribble and a kid doesn't pick it from them yeah. <laughs> every single yeah. time. Yeah. Yep. So it's, it's just really, it's really tough. And, uh, you know, I'm wondering if maybe, okay, you could steal a pass, but you can't steal the dribble next year. Or, you know, I'm just wondering yeah. of, you know, little variations to the rules yeah. uh, that we could make this year. So like with our league, we went once a week this year, last year we went to, you know, we talked to some parents scheduling wise and they're like, you know, it'd just be better if we just came in once a week. So they yep. did a, a little practice beforehand did some skills. We, we, t- you know, did some, uh, like a, some mini scrimmaging, try to prepare for what that game's going to look like. And then we'd run two mini games, be about six, seven minute halves mm-hmm. for each game. And, um, we had, you know, the scoreboard up and they had jerseys on and make it, you know, as professional <laughs> as we could. Right. Cause they yeah. were like big time, you know, are we yeah. keeping score today was the question, you know, and to have the scoreboard out was yep. the big thing. Like we could do the <laughs> exact same thing. If we didn't have the scoreboard out, some of the kids were like, Oh, we're not really playing today. It's like, yes, we're always <laughs> right. playing. Like we're right. always playing. Right. Um, so we, we did that. We had, like I said, a couple of things we put in. You were on a new team every single week. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I wanted the kids to get used to playing with everybody. Um, I didn't want to accidentally create a dominant team either. So I wanted players to um, be mixing that up and I wanted to get coached by different people mm-hmm. uh, each week. Sure. So I liked that. We did the wristband color yeah. matchup thing. Yeah. And we, so we did that. And in the beginning it was helpful. And by the second half, the kids really didn't need it anymore. Yeah, You know, they got enough feel for like who their matchup was. The wristbands really didn't come into play. So, so that was good. Sure. Um, we did let's see what a couple other rules we had. Okay. So the, the biggest rule that we had that most people are probably not doing is we had a coach involved in the game. 
Okay. Uh, and so what that means is we would have the every change of possession, the ball would be outletted to the top of the key yeah. to one of our designated coaches. Right. He was on both teams and neither team or she, whoever that person was. And so <laughs> it was like an all-time was, quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so we, we went away with, no, there was no checking. There was no okay. checking. Um, yep. So any change of possession, whether it was live ball or dead ball, made basket, uh-huh. whoever's ball it was going to be would have to throw it out to the coach. Okay. And, and the coach was that very short time window of, okay, it's been a change of possession. But the coach at any point can throw the basketball immediately back into whoever's team is now on offense. Sure. Kids begin to play again. Yeah. And uh, so I, I, it sped up the game. It sped up the game a lot, actually. Yeah. And so kids had trouble because when you check it, like if the ball goes out of bounds, okay, we go up top, we check the basketball, we throw it in. Like they have a lot of time to get ready. And with our kids, uh, they didn't have that time because as soon as the coach got the ball, they were trying to look to put the basketball back in. And so I, I liked that because the game was super fast paced yeah. and kids had to be on it. I mean, they had to be paying attention. And, and as coaches, we try to do a good job and be like, balls outletted. Like you're on yeah. defense now, get get to your matchup. Cause I know yeah. you were on offense a second ago, you're on defense and, and you're not running down to get on defense. You're on right now. Cause it's half court. So yeah very fast paced from, from that standpoint, our mm-hmm. kids picked it up, but you know, it wasn't like this beautiful basketball by the end, you know, <laughs> I'd be lying to you if, if I, if I told you that. And the, the other problem that I ran into, and I want you to speak to this is the longer we went, the more physical the game became. Okay. And yeah. I don't know if this was just our kids or not, but in the beginning yeah. we're, you know, maybe they haven't played as much basketball. And so we're working on our skills, we're working on the rules. Mm -hmm. And so it was almost cleaner, you know, going up to midway through our season. And then by the second half, it was like, okay, they figured this thing out, but they were, you know, beating the crap out of each other. And it was (laughs) like, guys, these are fouls. You know, we we can't do this. And as you know, with youth basketball, it's very difficult to officiate youth basketball, right? Mm -hmm. You could call something every single time. So yeah. Did, did you run any of those issues? Yeah. So um, just to touch back on your uh, your coach outlet, we did that for the kindergarten age group. Um, and that helped when we um, when we had those that new wave of kids, I guess, coming in that had not been exposed to the 3v3 um, or even just a basketball league in general. I mean, kindergarten is pretty young. Uh, we did that at our practices. So we just had the coach kind of stand up top and like that. We just kind of reset the play to kind of get them to understand the flow of it. So we did that first. Um, And then when we got to the first and second grade level, so we have like a hundred lines on our court, as you remember, when we have camps, we have volleyball court lines, we have now pickleball court lines, we have all kinds of lines on our floor. Um, We kind of transitioned our volleyball court line as like the three point line or the take back line that you would play in a normal three V three game. So I guess to speed it up, one of the things we really emphasize and it, and it worked out um, in, a, in a team aspect too, is the outlet pass and for kids to understand that the pass is faster. So, uh, you know, the dribbling and ball handling skills are great when you want to get to the rim and attack and things like that. But when we had the situation where there was a transition from offense to defense, we'd always preach the passes faster. So 
we actually would spend uh, one of our, you know, one or two of our practices just for the, at the beginning of the season for the kids to understand like, Hey, this is going to be quicker to transition to offense. If we get someone to run to the blue line and we can pass to them and then start back up. So um, to kind of answer your question on that with the transition, that's, that's kind of how we present it. Um, and, you know, every court, I guess, is different. So, you know, if other gyms, they have a three-point line, then maybe you're using it that way. Um, but, you know, we would use that as like an example of an outlet pass in a full court game. Like you're going to be running to a spot on the court where there's a space where you're calling for the ball and then you're transitioning. And then as they get older, you know, when the play a full court game, they're going to be calling for an outlet to run up the floor. Um, the point guard is going to be seeking the ball, you know, that sort of thing. So there's a little bit of a team aspect there um, in terms of like the physicality of the game. Um, actually with our, it depends on your skill level. When you have a kindergarten league um, and we run a lot of mini games, I think by the end they were starting to maybe lose a little more focus, get a little more tired. Um, so maybe by the end they were a little more checked out. <laughs> so they were ready to go get a drink of water or sit down with, with mom or dad on the sideline type of thing. Um, but with the older age groups, yeah, I would like for comparison, I would say like our third and fourth grade was kind of like that where um, maybe they'd start to get a little more clumsy or start to crash into each other, or maybe they're just by then they're realizing how, how the game's flowing and they want to like maybe step it up a notch. So maybe they're starting to jump more, trying to block a shot. And like you said, that's when you start seeing the the falling and the crashing into each other. And then that goes back to me remembering, yeah, maybe it's probably not a good idea to steal the dribble right now. Um, because like you said, that you know, once they get locked in, they just they go, 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 go. And you know, with our mini games, we keep them, we keep them moving. I mean, a lot of like our third and fourth grade uh boys and girls teams, uh, we we were at the point where we were putting like only like six or seven to a team because we would have um, like three of the one kids playing at one end and three of the kids playing at the other end. So there was no really subbing. I mean, aside from maybe one or two kids. So, yeah, I mean, we did run into that a little bit and that was one thing that we had to review as a staff. Um, we have a lot of high school and college staff that help officiate the games and, you know, some have a basketball knowledge and some don't. So we had to spend some time training them like, Hey, we really want you to call a foul when this happens. And I think, that kind of helps too when you have parents in the crowd like what are we watching at some point because you start to see you know maybe like I said like a kid goes for layup and another kid tries to block it and they're both on the floor all of a sudden mm -hmm. and then nothing's called and it's like that's not what we want we want to make sure you know they're shooting free throws it still kind of feels like a game that's going to ask you if you, you were shooting free throws or not yeah yeah we did that I know like some leagues you could probably do like follow they get a point you know that sort of thing right. but again with our leagues ours are pretty recreational based so i'm all about teaching them the game too so we want to teach them hey this is what a follow you know follow the foul line and the free throw process looks like mm -hmm. um, this is how everyone lines up on a free throw and on the second shot you got a box out and rebound so we try to implement some of that stuff too so yeah there were definitely some talks with our staff you know as we got into like week three I'd say um out of six you know we were starting to tell the staff like if you see a foul you need to call it and and line them up you know we have a running clock but at that point you know I think 
I think everyone kind of appreciates it. Like if there's a running clock, we don't have to rush them. Just set them up and you're teaching them, uh, teaching them the game and, you know, they'll get their free throws in. And if there's a live ball, then you just kind of go back into your game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think some of it too, is like, if there was a foul, like right before the buzzer type of thing, they were like, well, what do we do? And it's like, you know what? Just let them play for a series. Kind of like what you do with soccer. You have extra time, you know? Mm-hmm. So like if there's a free throw situation and there's 10 seconds left on the clock and the clock's running, just let it go. If the clock, you know, if the horn goes play out like one more possession and mm-hmm. just, and then end it after that and take a break. So I think there was some of that that they were run into and they're a little hesitant to call fouls for those reasons. But yeah. I think once we communicated with everyone, it ended up working out a lot better. And that's an important thing for, for parents to be on board and understand like, Hey, there's gotta be some give and take here. Yeah. Right. You're not watching a varsity basketball game or a college exactly. basketball game. Like th- these are eight, nine, 10 year olds out here playing right. a game. It's not right. going to be, you know, this perfect thing that, you know, we all uh, had envisioned in, in our mind. Yeah. How do you go about, you, you mentioned the pass is faster, right? Which is, which is great trying to get the kids to, Hey, I'm not going to get the rebound, dribble out, try to drill back in and shoot it. We're encouraging passing the basketball. Mm-hmm. You know, how did you deal with any of those kids that, you know, for lack of a better term, were, you know, ball Hawks. Um, yeah. You know, I think that that was one thing that I liked about our, our league was every change of possession, a coach got it. And so yeah. the coach could then determine who hasn't touched the ball in a while Right. And they give them the ball. Um, and so it it took away that opportunity for certain kids to dominate the ball because they were already dominating the game if they're sure, you know, faster, taller, blocking all the shots, um, things like that. Um, what were some of the things that you do? Because I know, you know, as our kids get older, we're gonna have to transition into exactly. taking that coach out of it as well. Yeah. Um, some of it is more goes back to like the social aspect. Um, you know, we can discuss some of that stuff at practice. Um, and then we discuss it again, like during the the breaks or the huddles in between the mini games, um, everyone wants to score. We, we tell the kids that we know, we know you guys all want to score. And if we have one of those ball hog type situations, we'll say, Hey, who has not scored yet today? Like who hasn't had a chance to score a bucket? And it's almost like a, a team goal at some point. Like, hey, we noticed one of these players hasn't scored yet. Let's let's really try to feed them the ball to see if they can get a basket, you know. And it ends up, you know, working out some some of these times, you know, when it happens, if it's the kids like first basket of the season, too. I think the parents and like even some of the players start to pick up on that. Like, oh mm-hmm. yeah, they haven't really scored yet this year. So when you have something like that happen, it's like really celebrated. So yeah. um that kind of takes away. I guess that that for us when we've tried it, I mean, it doesn't completely eliminate it because you have one kid that wants to score. And once mm-hmm. he realizes, hey, you know, I could beat this guy every time. It's a no brainer, you know, then then they that still happens. But I think if we transition and try to, like, give them different, like, I guess, goals or something to reach for as a team, then it kind of distracts that a little bit. And it mm-hmm. helps them, like, try to pass the ball and. You know, like I said, we discuss it at practice. We discuss it during the breaks and that seems to help out. You're right. It's very important to have those, those conversations. And without that, I think you'd have, you know, more trouble. Obviously uh, this is the way 
you know, you're always going to run into the player who may be a little bit more yeah. uh, selfish, but uh, to have those conversations is tremendous, especially for kids at a young age to, yeah. to have those early in their basketball playing days with being a parks and rec, you're training a lot of uh, volunteers, coaches, sometimes college students who may not have a, a lot of experience either with basketball or they might have experience with basketball, but not experience working with young people. Yeah. They want to be involved because of one of those two things usually, but it's always not, not both. Mm-hmm. How do you give them the tools to say, hey, you know, here's what a practice could look like. Yeah. Here's some of the drills you could use, ways to communicate to the kids so that, you know, everything can you know, be as good of an experience as possible. Yeah, I, th- I think there's a little bit of a control freak in me with that. <laughs> um we really, I really want the coaches to feel comfortable at practice. And like you said, when there's some people with basketball knowledge, but have never coached before, um, what I've always done since we've switched over this three V three is, um, I put out coaching plans for all the coaches and I give them all the same material to use. Um, now if we have staff that are there at practice and maybe one coach is on their own, we have a, a staff person that can help you know, maybe break into smaller groups to give them a little more one-on-one, but I put a practice plan together every week. So when I'm out there, most, most of the practices I'm out there, um, I'm already kind of planning ahead for the next week. So I'm kind of observing what works, what doesn't work. Um, maybe get feed. Well, I do get feedback from the coaches as well. Like, Hey, what are you guys like struggling with? What do you want to work on? Um, and if they say, oh yeah, we really need to get some rebounding drills in. Great. That's what my thought was for next week too. We'll do some more rebounding next week. So I put practice plans together. I give, um, practice links on those plans. A lot of the stuff I use is through junior MBA. Um, they have a bunch of training videos. Um, but you know, I, I find stuff like, you know, I pull up some of your drills from your camps and, I'll pull up a link and say, Hey, this is a great, you know, two person drill that you can work on together with your players. They can partner up and do this um, layup drill, you know, things like that. So um, I try to give them all the same material. So all the kids are kind of being coached the same thing and not anything's left out with one team. And then the other team has picked up on a couple other things. Um, But one thing I've been trying to do a better job of is I give teams the last probably 15 to 20 minutes of, either uh, like a free play Um, I'll put like suggested like games or challenges because there's some weeks where kids just aren't into the drills and we're like, Hey, we're going to do like a dribble freeze tag to wrap up, you know, just try to give um, coaches a handful of other things they can sprinkle into their practice um, to make it, you know, competitive and fun. Um, And then I also leave that 20 minutes in for scrimmaging too. So if you guys want to just decide you want to scrimmage that night, you can do that. So each week I try to put in like maybe a skill focus and I'll put at the top of the the practice plan, say, Hey, our, our focus is passing and footwork. So then we'll have a bunch of that into our, I guess, top half of the practice plan. And then the bottom half can be, you know, kind of a la carte or something for the coaches. Definitely important to have, (laughs) The backup, right? Yes. Something's not going well. Okay, I can go to this. Ratchet. I can go to yep. this. Here's the extra things in our lesson plan. Not because I need to get it all in, but something's probably not going to go right. Yep. And I need to be able to jump to something else to make our practice continue to run smoothly. 
You mentioned a couple of the skills, having an emphasis for the day. I think that's a great uh, way to go about it because you know it's not like you're practicing every day uh, with these kids, but to give them something to focus on and remember for each workout yeah. is a great way to go about it. Are there any specific skills that you would really encourage a coach who's listening to make sure they spend a lot of time on at the youth basketball level? Um, I think a lot of it from, from my perspective, um, is, you know, the kids really want to shoot the ball. Um, they like to shoot at practice. Um, but with ball handling and passing, those are like key elements that I really focus in on. Um, so I'm like, even when we have like drills, I'll kind of combine them together to make Mm -hmm. sure it's not just the coach passing. Um, I'll have like the kids in their passing too. So they're getting their passing practice in along with like, you know, maybe like a a triple threat drill or something. So um, a lot of my focus going to triple threat is based out of the triple threat. Um, I do a lot of that. So like when we're doing like our footwork at the beginning, we're preaching the triple threat, pivoting, um, ball fakes. Um, It's not just pass, shoot, or dribble. I expand on that. So explain the importance of how pivoting can create space using like your tuck backs and and rips and, and all that we we throw those in just about every week and so when we do a drill we'll say hey remember you're going into triple threat when you catch this and this is what you're you're going to work on work on a ball fake or a shot fake um so i do a lot of that is like kind of like the core based off of the triple threat and just kind of showing kids what they can do out of the triple threat um shooting i always include in practice because they want to do shooting sure. so um, it's a lot of short range stuff on my end cause it's the younger kids. And so I try to work on their shot form, um, and help them kind of get comfortable with a shot form. Um, so we use like our modified hoop heights, the modified basketball sizes. Mm-hmm. Um, but we still preach a lot of inside shooting and they do want to shoot. I mean, you'll have the younger kids that are chucking basketballs from the free throw line. And, you know, we try to stretch out their shooting range a little bit based on like what game we're doing. If it's like an around the world or just like a competition, we'll, we'll move the ball back a little bit and have them shoot from further out. Um, but I'd say that the triple threat is like the main thing that we, we try to build off of. Well, you, you said it differently, but it's the exact same thing I would say is, <laughs> is because the point of emphasis for me is, tra- is traveling. And, yeah. and what's the opposite of traveling? It's, your dribbling and your footwork it's yeah. it's pivoting right and so yeah. the more we can teach kids to properly handle the ball and to pivot properly right foot pivot left foot pivot front yep. reverse as you mentioned ripping the basketball to protect if we can start to integrate those skills at an early age it's it's a beautiful thing your kid's not going to have great shot form at seven eight years old right but <laughs> right. but right. they can understand what traveling is and how to use a pivot and how to dribble and get the basketball out. So uh, I see too much youth basketball and I'm like, the kids are just like running with the ball. They'll take a dribble, (laughs) take a couple steps, take another dribble, take a couple steps. And that was some feedback that I got from some coaches a couple of years ago. I think I just put on Twitter. I was like, coaches, we're running this youth basketball league. If you were to run it, what would be some of the biggest things that you think I should emphasize on? And the majority of the coaches said, make sure your kids understand what traveling is so they don't do it. Because if if they're traveling, you're holding them back from doing 
basically everything else on the offensive side of the ball. Sure. Right? Yep. And it's not realistic to play defense against somebody who's running with the basketball either. I mean, so it's not the NBA here, right? So yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that's that's you know, your answer was the same as same as my answer. Teaching the the footwork is uh very, very important for us uh, as young players. Yeah. Uh as we finish this out, Eric, why don't you Give our listeners, tell us a, a little bit about, you know, what you have going on, the the programs that you have going on uh, in Bowling Green. Obviously, I'm there often yeah. as we're yeah. recording this. I'll be there, let's see, late, late yeah. to mid-April. We'll be yeah. up there for yeah. our one-on-one and, and finishing skills clinic. That'll be a fun uh, Sunday the next time I'll be up there. Uh, tell us a little bit more about stuff you guys have going on. Yeah, sure. So throughout the year, um, my job is full-time uh, gig with the Parks and Rec. So um, we're actually into our spring sports right now. It's getting soccer season. We just had a, a soccer, uh, practice for our developmental league. Um, it's around 300 kids, uh, in that program. It's a pretty big one. Uh, we partner with our university, the BGSU, the men's soccer team helps put that on. Um, they do a lot of the skill training with the player, with the players and the kids interacting together, which is a pretty cool program. Um, and then we still have like our parent volunteers help coach on game days. Uh, but that's the big one that starts up here. Um, and then we also get into our youth softball and T-ball program for the summer. Um, those are, that's another big league of ours. Um, and then when we get into summer, we start offering our summer camps. Uh, so we do a one, one week designated to one sport. So we have a volleyball camp, a soccer camp, a basketball camp. Um, sometimes we offer like lacrosse, different, you know, different, uh, sports. So we have, uh, that flag football camp. Um, we have some, you're spring. busy. You're yeah, busy. We, are. <laughs> I mean, we, we just try to stay busy. We try to offer after school programs too. Mm-hmm. So instead of like everything just being league based, like right now we're doing, we're going to start up like a youth track and field. It's like one hour a week for like four or five weeks. And it's just, you know, running, jumping, learning how to do a little bit of shot throwing, um, so yeah, we're doing after school programs like that. We found that, uh, the, the PE games, the PE style games, and I call them quick sports. Cause it's like a one hour of, it's like a 60 minute play type thing after school. We kind of combine that into a program every once in a while. We'll do that in the fall. Um, so we, we offer some after school stuff too, just to get kids active after school, get them moving around. And then that helps introduce them into like our leagues. So yeah. you know, they, they, once they see that and see our other offerings, then they can jump into those other programs. So we say it's very smart to do both. Yeah. It's very smart to do both. Especially as a parent, maybe your kid doesn't really love one sport or they can't make that big commitment, but to still offer some of these, you know, quick, quick sports or after school is, is great. And it keeps them active because, uh, you know, unfortunately with the majority, not all, but majority of most public schools, kids aren't in their PE class. So they're not exercising. They're not getting out. Um, as much as they probably should. Right. Right. Yep. Thanks for uh, taking the time. This was great for, yeah. you know, get a chance to recap and uh, share some different things. I know we could have talked for another hour on more ins <laughs> oh, and outs yeah. of, you know, three on three at the youth basketball level, especially, but <laughs> if you're a coach listening and you're not running uh, youth basketball, uh, three on threes, I, I highly encourage you to look into it a little bit more I think there's a ton of benefits uh, from just the fun uh, amount of kids that get to play and the overall development of kids at at a young age that can go a really long way for benefiting your five on five teams as they start to age up. So uh, this was awesome. Eric, thanks for taking time to be on the Coach's Edge podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me.
get after it today. Thanks for listening. Peace.